This episode of the Youth Ministry United podcast is brought to you by G-Shades. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy that is focused on helping students see every life situation through the lens of the gospel. And I know what you're thinking. Graham, I don't have the budget for a youth ministry curriculum. But I'll tell you this, guys, G-Shades has options to fit everybody, and I mean everybody, with three plans to choose from, and every single one of these plans has the resources that you need to do what you want to do, which is impact your students and to impact them better. So if you just need message outlines, a discussion guide for your small groups, and like a game, that plan is only $16 a month. Maybe you're looking for higher production value, like a bumper video before the message or an Instagram devotional or a parent guide so you can keep them informed on what you guys are teaching. That's only $25 a month. And and let's say you want to step it up again and have a video curriculum that's going to help you increase your online reach during this pandemic and moving forward because we know all of our kids are online. G-Shades has you covered for that. It's only $36 a month. You're not going to find youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere else. And I'll tell you this, just from what I've downloaded and used myself, the content that they create is amazing. It is so excellent, so well done. The content is good. The outline messages are incredible. The bumper videos alone are worth $36 a month. It just takes your messages. It takes your impact to the next level. You don't want to miss out on this. So head to gshades.org to download season two of G Shades Youth Ministry Curriculum and make sure you use the promo code UNITED. That's U-N-I-T-E-D, all uppercase, UNITED at checkout to get an extra $5 off. And remember, G Shades, it's about Seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Welcome to the Youth Ministry United podcast, where our goal is to equip you, encourage you, and empower you to do all that God has called you to do in your youth ministry. So, without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. All right, what's up? Welcome to episode 47. I almost lost count of what episode we were on. Episode 47 of Youth Ministry United. I am the pod father coming at you today, better known as Matt Bowman or the TikTok King. Uh, we, we ended that Gotta TikTok King that. a while ago. Um, but Gotta I've got, I've got, <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got Graham Betancourt with me today or the blonde Abraham Lincoln, whatever you want to call him. Mm-mm. What's up, Graham? No, I grow a mustache now. What's up, Dude. man? What's up, guys? I'm pumped to be back. I feel like it's been forever. I'm like a guest myself. But Thank listen, you. if you call yourself the TikTok king one more time. I kind of stopped that. I'm going to walk out. I, <laughs> there yeah. will be no longevity in this person's <laughs> life on podcast. I'm out. That's, I'm not that's doing phenomenal. It. That's phenomenal. But I'm excited. Um, I'm pumped to be too. here. I am too. I'm glad you're here. Uh, but but this Thank isn't this blush. isn't about this <laughs> this isn't about us though. We've got a guest with us today, John Woo! Brown. What's up, John? Hey, what's up, guys? So good to How be with you? you. How are you? Doing well. I'm honored to be on the legendary podcast. Been following right. you guys for a while, so it's great great to be on and uh, great to kind of be a part of something that I've been listening to already. That's legendary. Right. And you'll you'll get a nickname by the time you leave this podcast. So come on, I'll take it. Be, I'm looking forward be ready to that. for it. 
be ready. So, uh, John, to start us off, uh, we, we always ask our guests um, kind of who, who you are, where you're, where you're serving, what you do, all about you. Like, just share whatever you feel led to share. Uh, tell our listeners about yourself. Yeah, yeah. So, um, married to my college sweetheart, Janet. We have three girls. Uh, two of our girls actually are in our youth ministry. We have a middle schooler and a high schooler. So one in ninth grade and one in sixth grade. And uh, my wife and I have been serving here at Journey Church for 19 years. We just celebrated 19 years at uh, the same church, the only church we've been at. So came right out of college. And uh, we started off as assistant youth pastors and now um, and, and have kind of moved through the organization. Now we oversee uh, next gen, so zero to 30 uh, across all of our four campuses. So we have campuses in the Chicago air, Chicago land area, um, two in Wisconsin, and then one in Lithuania, Vilnius, Lithuania. So my job is kind of like to be a pastor to the pastors and uh, lead our team as they lead the next generation. So uh, we've been in that role specifically for the last three years. We love it. It's, uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun leading high level leaders and being a part of their lives and helping them continue to grow and hopefully helping them to have longevity. Um, just like we've been able to experience here. So. Awesome. Um, so, so John, before we hop into our conversation today, uh, we, we always ask our, um, we always ask our guests an icebreaker question and we've been asking this one for a while. Graham, do you want to, do you want to take the honor? I do. I do. Come on, bring it on. I do because this is this we're we're gathering data here is essentially what we're doing um, because this is a very important question. So and we have to set it up. If you could, I mean, I'm talking face any mammal, any mammal on planet Earth, doesn't matter which one it is, you pick. If you could face anyone, which which one do you think? you could they can't hit you they can't attack you they can't do anything but which one could you knock out with one punch any mammal any I'm mammal kinda, i i'm kind of like a go big or go home guy um so i would love to like just go for the you know the most beastly mammal i don't even know what that would be i mean obviously you, you think about large in size but they couldn't attack me huh nope can't attack you you, you uh, get to hit them one time yeah, I love the story that Mark Batterson tells of the in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. I think it'd be pretty beast to say I went face to face with a lion and punched it in the face and knocked it out. I mean, who doesn't want to say that? So I think that's the one I'd go with, even though a whale or an elephant would, you know, seemingly be a much more formidable foe. I just think there's something about saying I punched a lion in the face. So I'm going with lion. Dang, that's, he went big. He ain't that, kidding. That's good. Um, He's not getting because every episode I've answered by Googling what is the smallest mammal in the earth. And so today's answer, because it changes every time, because who knew, knew that, is the Etruscan shrew. The shrew. That's what I'm I mean, going for, guys. I'm, I'm in it to win it, and I want a guaranteed W. There we go. So. <laughs> That's, oh, I that, yeah, I, I, think you'd, I think you'd take that one. I, I got know, my money on you. Maybe not. I don't know. What you got, Matt? What you doing? What you hitting? You change? No, I, I, I keep it the same all the time. I, I think driving around Springfield, Ohio, and seeing all these baby cows in farm country, I think I could knock out a baby cow. 
<laughs> I don't know why I'm going for the baby version of it, but I think I could do it. That's, uh, I don't know if that's, you know, if you lose listeners who hear you say that, that love baby cows, there's got to be some baby cow <laughs> listeners right now well, well, that are not liking true. you very much. That's Every true. time we, we actually ask this question, we think PETA or, you know, animal rights, yeah. Act, we feel like they're not, they're not happy, but you know, yeah. I can't please everybody. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I still think my favorite answer was cool. Carl from Sunday. Cool. Oh my said, gosh. When he said sperm <laughs> whale. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Mine's not you creative know. at all. I guess I feel, I feel. He, uh, well, you're the only one to say something that, that like that, I think. And everybody else has pretty much gone the safe, the safe route. Of, safe uh, route. Yeah. What did Tim Summers say? I want to know what's, what Tim. Well, I don't think we on. asked him. We, we, should, uh, we weren't asking by then, were we? No, we weren't. But we could we could tag him on Instagram for it. We'll, there you we'll go. Put a, ask yeah, him. we'll we'll put it on our story. Come yeah, on, I says. love it. I'm I'm looking forward to that answer. That's I awesome. <laughs> well, let's jump into the real part of why we're here today, <laughs> man. We've got an awesome topic, and what a there's nobody better I think uh, than you to be talking on this topic because you have proof in the uh, pudding or whatever, however they say it. Like you're there's proof because you've been where you're at for 19 years so because the topic we're going to talk about is longevity in youth ministry and and we've kind of discussed it in part before um but i think it's so key especially now uh i, I actually listened to a podcast carrie newhoff just recently and uh i can't remember i think it was a vander uh vander Bloman. i yeah. think he said he said that 2021 is the year of the resignation because of everything that has happened with COVID in 2020, um, which is very, it was sad. Um, mm. But we've noticed that COVID has uh, sped up some things, good and bad. Yeah. Um, so before we jump into the breakdown, right, of, of something you posted on Instagram, that was amazing. Um, I want to go with why first. Why do you, and with a statistic is I think 18 months or something like that, that youth pastors will last at a church in a position. Um, it may even be less now. Uh, why do you think that is? Yeah. I mean, ministry, you guys know this. I know you're both newer in your, your full-time positions, but ministry is hard. You know, even before COVID ministry was hard. <laughs> uh, You've seen this, probably seen the statistics, or we've all heard them. You know the number of pastors that are facing levels of stress that you know rival that of CEOs of companies, and um, it's one of the top most stressful jobs on the planet. And you know it's also filled with anxiety. Pastors oftentimes are depressed and discouraged at astronomical rates. I don't have any of the statistics off the top of my head, but. The reality is, is I think youth ministry specifically even is, is even more difficult because we're carrying the weight of the emotional strain on a generation, right? They're, they're some of the most depressed, some of the most anxiety filled, and then you add COVID into that mix and, and we're carrying the weight of, of a generation on our shoulders as shepherds and burden bearers, as, as in some ways, as we should, you know, the people that we're shepherding, we, we definitely want to to walk alongside of them and to feel their pain, to empathize with them. But with that comes a weight and it's, a, it's students need our attention 24 seven. It's, it's unlike any other ministry position. So we're carrying weights. And I think oftentimes we're trying to be a savior to students when we shouldn't be trying to be 
their savior, right? We're a, a part of their lives. We're disciplers. Um, but we can't be the hero pastor that, you know, is there at every drop of the hat. And so I really believe that COVID has just revealed the cracks in our foundation um, that were already there. And, um, you know, you look at pastors that fail out because of moral choices that they make. And there's plenty of those in the news right now. And I don't, I don't judge them. I don't, I'm not coming against them harshly. The reality is, is my heart breaks. I can't tell you the number of times I've cried and prayed over Carl Lentz and his family and his wife. And even just talking about that right now makes me emotional because we're talking about real families that are impacted. We're talking about a church and a people who are impacted. So my heart breaks. And uh, as I said to you guys before, we are all one decision away from stupid. Every single one of us. That's so real. Uh, one of my mentors used to say, but, but when these kinds of things happened, you know, one of my mentors in college uh, had a moral failure and he said the statement to me that I'll never forget, but by the grace of God, go I. And I just, you know, it just reminded me the humanity of all of us. And so I think we're, we are carrying massive weights as shepherds of our people. But I also think we are running at paces that we were never meant to run at. We're trying to do things that we were never meant to do on our own. And, uh, you know, I think about it as like a car running at 7,000 RPMs. If you're going to run your engine at 7,000 RPMs, you're going to burn your engine out, right? It's never created to run like that. In the same way as humans, we weren't created to run at the rates we were running at. And Carl said it himself in his apology. I had no margin and I was, I was running, uh, at a pace that was not sustainable, and I think that any human being, if we try and run at the pace, and I, I thought COVID was going to make me less busy. <laughs> I thought I was going to be less stressed, you know, get to be with my family more. And honestly, I got more busy and things got more stressful. And so it, it revealed to me that I needed to fix some things, really, honestly, truly. So I think the reason why we see people dropping out and th- those rates being the way that they are is because we don't know how to have margin. We don't know how to have sustainable rhythms. And so that's really the heartbeat of that post is the keys to longevity is just looking at some of the rhythms that I have established in my life and learn from other mentors. This isn't about me. I've learned these from my pastor. I blame my pastor for being in, in our healthy leadership here for being here 19 years. I mean, that's, that's, that's a gift uh, to have what we get to have and, a lot of those rhythms that I talk about in that post and, and we'll talk about today, uh, I've learned from those mentors and from those leaders and from my pastor. And so I didn't have all these in year one. I didn't have all of these even in year five. It's taken mm. me 19 years to kind of build up to this. So as I share these, I, I, I don't share them as I've even got them all figured out yet. Um, I share them as in like, you know, it's taken me 19 years to develop these rhythms through the help of great mentors and, and just say this with caution, don't compare whatever chapter you're in. If it's chapter one, don't compare that with my chapter 19, right? Um, you don't have to have all these in your, in your life by next week or going into the new year, right? They take time to develop and find these rhythms and we're all in different ages and stages of life as well. So yeah, this is, I think these are, are not the end all either. These are just some that have been on my heart and, some areas that I've, I'm continuing to grow and work on in myself. So, um, 
So <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, so John, we are, we're, we're talking about these five keys to, to longevity and ministry. And, um, you, you know, the, the first key that you, you mentioned on, on this post, I think is, is crucial. And you, you had a, um, you had a corresponding post with that actually today, um, which I thought was, was foundational. So why don't you just go ahead and, and start us off. Part talk, two. Talk, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Go ahead and just start us off and talk about this first key. Uh, to Yeah. This, this is one that <laughs> I, uh, this is one that's taken me a while. <laughs> I'll just be honest. I've, I've sucked at this. I've been terrible in this area, specifically with Sabbath and soul care rhythms. I am a, I, I thought I was an Enneagram eight early on in ministry. I'm actually a three, but I'm a pedal to the metal. You know, I like 7,000 RPMs, my face peeled back, you know, running and gunning. That's just the way I'm wired and, uh, and, and have a proclivity towards workaholism. I've had to work through some of that with the help of my wife and with my pastor and, it's just in our family. We're just hustlers, you know, we're entrepreneurs. So um, I, I kind of had this adrenaline addiction. And because of that, um, I thought, you know, a lot of the badges that I was going for were, were about productivity early on. And so I've learned through the years that it, I can do that, but I'm not going to be in the game for the long haul, if that's the case. I can't have both longevity and you know, crazy, ridiculous levels of, of productivity. And so I really had to realize that if I am going to be in this for the long haul, I have to find a sustainable pace, right? It's like the runner who comes flying out of the gate for the marathon and and everybody who's an experienced marathon runner is going to laugh at them because the guy cannot keep that up. Um, And so I've just learned that that is not the pace that I want to run at. I don't want to burn my family out. I don't want to burn my wife out, my kids out. Um, for the sake of, you know, me just being productive or coming up with one new idea. And so finding that healthy rhythm has been key. And, and soul care is a term that we don't use a lot. I think it's starting to come out more. Um, But really, the best way I can describe that there's a lot of great books on soul care. There's a book by Judah Smith called How's How's Your Soul. There's another book called Soul Keeping. Um, But it's Judah describes it as our soul is at home at most at home when we return to God. Mm. And so my home, my soul is, is cared for when I am finding myself on, on in regular rhythms of returning to God. And so I broke that down in, in my post today, um, just talking about 365 days of the year, I'm returning to God in my morning time with Jesus, that morning rhythm of waking up, rolling out of bed, rolling onto my knees, um, spending time in prayer, opening up my word. Like that's the first part of my day. That's the first thing I do as my feet hit the ground. I go to my knees. That's the first thing I feast my eyes on is God's word. Um, That's the start of my day and and gratitude. I write into my gratitude journal. So if I'm doing that, I'm returning to God. I'm caring for my soul. My, My soul, it's like the phone on the charger. It's recharged. It's refreshed. It's ready for the day. And then um, another rhythm that I am uh, regularly per- uh, participating in is, is uh, 52 weeks. So 365 days of the year, I'm returning to God in my morning routines. 52 weeks out of the year, 
Um, for us, uh, our best rhythm is when it's from Friday at five o'clock to Saturday at five o'clock, um, 24 hour Sabbath with my family. That's something that I've only started to experiment with over the last two years. And originally it was just me. My wife was was uh, struggling to figure out how we were gonna fit that in our schedule and when we were gonna get the honey-do list done and our weekend you know, errands that we needed to run. So that took some experimenting with, to be honest with you, but it's been such a gift. And, wow. um, and it's putting away the electronics. It's, it's not consuming or going out. It's just simply, um, as John Mark Comer says in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, it's the word, it comes from the word Shabbat. Sabbath means Shabbat, which means to stop, mm. to rest, to worship, and to delight. So yeah. we do, we do, we stop most everything and we just, uh, we just spend time in worship and in delight. Um, we rest as I sleep in on Saturday morning. We kick off our Sabbath with a big family feast mm. and then we do some worship together as the family. And um, we just we just hit you know tell Alexa a couple of our favorite songs play and then we we worship together as a family, and then I pray a prayer of, of blessing over my wife and over my daughters, and and then you know for us we do something fun that we like to do at night you know normally we love to you know some of our things typically that we would used to do is like watching a movie but we're turning off the electronics, so our thing is going for a jeep ride together as a family and just turn on worship music especially when the warmer months Come take on. the top off and man, it's awesome looking up at the stars. And so we're finding things that we delight in, right? That's we're good. hobbying. We're, we're not just like chanting like monks. Like I have, <laughs> you know, daughters all ages. So we got to find ways to like still enjoy and delight. And so I we play that. board games. We, you know, we go outside, we do family bike rides or walks. Like we're, we're spending time together in ways that are meaningful and connected without having to be on a device. And so that's been phenomenal. And then we end that's out so Sabbath good. with a big old feast. Starting um, in with one. Hmm. Yep, starting with one. And, and I think a lot of people think of like spiritual disciplines as like, you know, denial of self all the time. But more than people fasted in the Bible, they feasted. And so we, we do it, you know, we do that up with one of their favorite meals. And we, we do a family movie night then on Saturday night. It's just something for our girls to look forward to. Um, and so those are, those are some big pieces for us of Sabbathing. And, uh, it really, I'm telling you what, we, we, we had a, a couple of weeks in November where we didn't do it and I felt it. My soul felt not doing it. Um, it was like I had been, you know, several months of, you know, total health of doing this week after week after week. And then all of a sudden I don't do it. And it's like, I longed for it. I almost felt like the anxiety of the fact that I didn't have it. And I'm not one who struggles regularly with anxiety, but I'm like, I need my Sabbath. Like I'm like craving it for the next week. And so I just would say like, that's such a gift that God gives us. It's the only spiritual discipline listed in the 10 commandments. So some great books mm. on Sabbath is the one I mentioned. Um, another one is called take the day off by Robert Morris. And then um, Jefferson Bethke has a book called To Hell with the Hustle that I recommend. So I just started I, that I, one. That's so good. And I I'm, <laughs> honestly, I read those books over my Sabbath. I, I'm, I do a lot of reading on Sabbath as well, but I'm not reading for like leadership or hustle. I'm le reading for resting my soul or I just read good old fiction. They're fun. Um, and so that's, that's a big part of my Sabbath as well. And then 
four times a year, we do a soul care retreat. It's a day retreat. Uh, my pastor, uh, it is required rhythm for our staff. And so we get away for either a, a four to six hour period or a full work day. And I just go to one of my favorite coffee shops or I go by one of the local lakes. Lake Michigan's a favorite. And uh, I just spend that full chunk of the day going through this guided um, kind of prayer retreat. It's a reflection of, you know, maybe sin or maybe some unforgiveness issues. You're dealing with the sin in your heart, but then you're going through and, and moving towards health in your soul. So we've done things like studying um, what spiritual heroes of the faith have done in the disciplines that they've had in their lives. So I actually have a link to, uh, I think about 12 of those that my pastors created that I'd love to share with you guys and anyone who's listening, Absolutely. but that has been a game changer. Again, another one of those rhythms that if you, for some reason don't have it, like I've missed because we've been someplace or I've been on the road or on a vacation and I'm making sure that I hit it when I get back because it's that vital to my soul. And so just, there's something about a big chunk of time with you and Jesus and, the, and, and turning the worship music on and just doing business with him and letting him speak to your heart and deal with things that may be in the hustle and bustle and the, the crazy that you haven't dealt with. Um, and just, it scared me at first, to be honest, because I, because I am a pedal metal guy. I'm like, man, I don't know, even know how to be silent for eight hours. Now I long for it. That's and then awesome. once a year, um, we go on a three day silent prayer retreat and that's guided by a 70 year old gentleman that just is a, a hero of the faith that has done quite a few of these. And, um, we really, we go back to the cross. We learn to put ourselves in, in scripture and, and read in different ways into the scripture and imagine ourselves in the story. Um, and really phenomenal. Even, even with COVID this year, we did one, um, not in person, but it was guided through video. And I have all of those guides that I also love to share, but man, I'm telling you what, um, I was so thankful that we didn't skip it because it is, it is one of the most significant spiritual practices I've ever done that three day. You don't talk to anyone for a full three days, literally not talking. You're, you're putting away your, your phones, electronics, devices, uh, you know, the only thing I keep mine for is for, you know, having some worship music around, but it's, it's just you and Jesus and uh, usually in nature. Um, and it is, it's I, eight years ago, eight, nine years ago is the first one I did. I'll never miss it. So that's been significant. So that's my soul care and Sabbath rhythms. I think that's one of the most foundational pieces because it causes you to slow down and again, re return your soul to home, resting in God. And so that's been huge. So yeah, that's the first one. And I know I took a long chunk of time on that one, but I think it's one of the most significant for me anyways. That's awesome. That's, in, that's insanely intentional too, which is what I've gathered through that whole thing. The theme was you have to be intentional or it's just not going to happen. Yep. If you don't block it off, if you don't set your intention for your year, like if you're thinking about and considering this, um, or at least even taking some baby steps and doing a little bit of this into your rhythms. Right. I would say set that time, block it off as a, as an appointment that's, that's untouchable. Um, because if you don't, you know, we all know as well as, as being in ministry or just being humans, 
something's going to fill that time. So you have to set your intention before the year starts. That's good, man. Super good. Awesome. I love the, I love the whole first point, like all of it. It, uh, because, and I'm a big fan of, uh, Judah Smith's book of Jefferson Bethke's book. Um, because I, I experienced firsthand when I first started in ministry as a young guy, I didn't know how to say no. I had no boundaries. I just went, 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 went to the point where I almost just quit on Jesus. I was like, I associated all of it with him and said, well, if you're going to be like this, I can't do any of it. Yeah. Um, and luckily I had some good people in my life who helped me kind of work through that. But, um, but I've seen it firsthand. And so I've, I've, I've gotten a lot more intentional myself, but I could definitely do better. Um, but your number two one is probably my favorite, mainly because I do this one well. The other one, the ones I don't do well, I don't want to talk about. But the one I do well is your second one, which is morning routines and disciplines. Tell us about that. What kind of routines are we talking about here? Yeah, no, that's great. So I, um, again, this has not been an area that is, I can't say the majority of my time in ministry, I was like living in victory and hitting this one out of the park. I wasn't. A lot of these come from my own pain. You mentioned your pain, and I, I also struggled. I almost burnt out of ministry, had my resignation, resignation letter written to my pastor, um, and it was really my own fault. I didn't know how to say no, and um, I didn't know how to have margin in my life and schedule. And so morning routines really helped me set up the rest of my day so I could be better at saying no. And really, again, set my intention for the day. That's a, a word I like to use a lot because once I set my intention for the day, I actually, it starts with me setting my intention the night before, how I'm going to start my morning. I, I, you know, I might be exhausted and like last night I got to bed later than I typically like to, but I had a morning routine. And if I don't set my intention the night before, then when my alarm goes off, this mug's going to hit snooze about 20 times. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the old me, but I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore because I know I don't show up as well for my wife. I don't show up as well for my kids. I don't show up as well for the leaders that I lead. I don't show up as well in all areas of my life. If I do not set my intention and have my morning routines. So my morning routines uh, consist of me um, uh, waking up in the morning uh, early between five and five thirty, I am rolling again out of bed onto my knees. I'm, I'm spending time in the word. I am uh, journaling and uh, I use the five minute journal. I highly recommend that app on my phone. It's, it's all about gratitude. It's about what are the three things that you're going to do to make today. Great. It's one of my affirmations. I go through uh, a list of about 15 to 20 affirmations um, that I read through that I've written down, I've taken time, um, to write down and, and I've also recorded those. So like if I have a busier morning, I hit play on those and I'm listening to those affirmations. I do some visualization of me living out those affirmations, uh, me living my very best. Like for example, uh, one of my affirmations is about, I, I lead leaders. It's not something I do. It's who I am. And so I visualize, visualize myself leading leaders. I visualize uh, some leaders that I'm going to intentionally pour into that day, um, how I might possibly encourage them. Another one of my affirmations is I live life to give life, that I'm an encourager. I call out the golden people. So I will, in that time, visualize 
um, people that I want to call the gold out in. And I'll visualize the smile on their face. And, you know, maybe even, you know, if, if I know that, that they've been having a rough go at it lately, you know, maybe even visualize tears rolling down their face. Not that that's my goal, but just, I want to see the emotion. I want to feel the emotion. I want to see me at my best being intentional, not just sharing fluff words, but like sharing Holy spirit words that, you know, that can really encourage them. And so that's even part of my morning routine is sending out three video encouragements uh, to people that, you know, the Holy spirit just lays on my heart. I want to be an encourager. I want that to be who I am. So I will encourage people who are right in front of me face to face, but I also want to reach out to people that I don't necessarily see on a regular basis and just let them know uh, just some, some encouragement. So, you know, it's usually like a two, three, four minute video that I just send out to encourage some people. I have a really long list of names that God's laid on my heart. I can't do all of them at one time. I'm not going to blast everyone, but I usually do about two or three of those every morning as part of my morning routine. And then after I do uh, just those several things, uh, I'll go and work out and uh, usually hit the gym for about 60 minutes. And uh, my best is when I'm working out with friends. I'm, for me, it's like, man, let's bring a party when we do this. It's all about the community. Uh, this morning I was working out alone, <laughs> so it's just not quite the same energy, but I'm still showing up. And, uh, and, uh, and then I have a whole supplement routine that I take in the morning as well. Um, it's really important to me to fuel my body, right. Which kind of goes into the next of, of the, um, keys to longevity, but, um, that's a big part of it. And then, uh, this has not been as regular in the morning, but I try and read 10 pages a day in the morning as well. I try and fuel my mind, not just my body, but my mind. And so some sort of leadership book and one that I just recently finished that was off the charts that I recommend is the book Pivot and Go by David Nurse. Really great kickoff to your day. And so um, those are those are a huge part of my morning routines and rhythms. Um, when I do those things, I wake up at five and I'm not rushed. I'm I'm showing up better in every environment that God's called me into. I'm showing up with something to offer. I'm showing up with energy, with confidence, with, with, uh, the Holy spirit, you know, guiding me, you know, so I'm not just winging it, but I'm showing. So again, like I, I have not always had these in my life, but I've noticed when I miss it, I skip it for whatever reason, man, I, I'm got to, I wake up with the crazy headache and I sleep in, I do not show up the same. So this is a key crucial part to my life. And I think it's a key to longevity, staying in it for the long haul. Um, so yeah, this has been a, this has been a huge one for me. That's good. I love it. I'm the same way though. I, I connect with that one. Cause I'm a, if my day starts good, like if it starts off good, the whole thing continues to, to be yep. good. And yep. I'm, and I'm like you, so I, um, so, and this leads into the next one. So part of my morning routine is I work out as well. I'm also a coach at my gym, uh, part-time. So I do that. Um, repping the swag anyway um so this next one that you put in here is one that i i personally think um is uh ignored a little bit uh in the in the ministry world yeah um i've i've seen more pastors uh fall to victim to this than uh, other people um yeah. and, and it's not and and it may not may or not be in, you know intentionally or just bad it's just we we often focus a lot on the spiritual side of things and we forget about the mental and the physical side 
of things like eating right and working out and getting outside and doing things outside of the church. Um, and so for me, this is a very important one, obviously to you, it is as well. Um, and I have a supplement and routine like you do. Um, and it, and, and I, and I think I completely agree this. I had a pastor say, and then I want you to talk about this. I had a pastor tell me a long time ago, it's hard to be spiritually up when you're physically down. Yep. And that stuck with me and it's stuck with me since I've known Jesus. Um, because even, even on a, a, on a, just a more common level, when you don't feel good, when you have a cold or a sinus infection, it's hard to get up and pray because I don't feel good. I don't want to do anything. Um, so I want to talk about number three, number three is physical health and habits, but break that down. Like, how did you get started in that? Where, why, when did yeah. you figure out that this helped and what are some things, man, that maybe, you know, cause it's intimidating. Maybe what are some things people could do to start that kind of journey? Yeah, that's so good. It's funny. I keep saying this, but this was born out of pain in my life too. I had a condition called ulcerative colitis from 14, um, uh, on to just about seven years ago. So 23 years of this condition and, I was an athlete in high school and uh, cared a lot about just taking care of physical health, but that one knocked me out and it drained me. And that season that I was talking about um, of kind of, this was seven years ago of just hitting the end of my rope and being burned out. I also went through a period of depression there. And so um, they took my colon out and uh, took the disease ravaged colon that I had out of my body. And I promised God that I was going to, use that as a new lease in life. And I, I just filled my, I ate whatever I wanted because I finally could. And so I wasn't taking care of my body and uh, gained quite a bit of weight. And two years ago, I finally had enough and realized that I was not fueling my body properly and keeping the promise I made to God. I was, I was destroying my temple and it, it was showing up in my, the way I, you know, responded or reacted, I should probably better say, to my kids. I was crabby at home. I was exhausted. I was, so again, a lot of these are born out of my own mistake and pain. I think sometimes we listen to things like that, or you see a post like I posted on Instagram, and you think, man, this guy's got these rhythms all together. I haven't, like I've had to wrestle through the pain of this, you know? And so this is coming from pain points in my life. And so my wife and I just got real serious about our health. Uh, two and a half years ago, and we really focused, we were food stupid, and we focused on what we were putting into our bodies. And we just finally um, started paying attention to that. We got a coach to help us with uh, just food education. And so we know this statement, we say it probably in our student ministries, garbage in is garbage out, right? If you are fueling your temple, this high-powered, high-capacity machine with crap, it's no wonder that you're, gonna, you're not going to output good things when you're putting terrible things in your body. Most of people's mental health issues actually could be fixed with eating properly and hydrating properly. So I, I, I for one, know that that was a huge part for me of crawling out of some of the holes that I was in. So when you put the right proper fuel in your body, when you hydrate properly, when you get the right proper amount of sleep, quality sleep at night, you are going to show up better with energy. And it's, 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 it's not rocket science. It's actually really simple, but most people aren't willing to do it. And you're right, bro. Most people don't talk about it in the church. 
a lot of pastors don't talk about it. It's almost like it's the acceptable addiction, right? It's the acceptable sin. You, you, you took my drugs, you took my other addictions, you know, don't touch my food. And so I think that that's such a key, crucial piece within the church that we don't talk about. And it is very much, I believe, a key to longevity. If you're going to last for the long haul, put the right proper fuel, take care of your body, uh, make sure that you're getting in the gym, make sure that you're doing some form of exercise and stretching. And so these are key to me. I don't want to draw that out too long, but those are key rhythms for me in, in longevity and have really kind of come to light um, in a new way in the last couple of years. That's so good. And I think, I think Graham's right. that It is uh, a rhythm that I think is neglected where we focus so much on the spiritual and, the, and not as much on the physical. Um, but moving on, we've got, I, I, I love these last two keys and I'm just going to let you run with them. Um, I, I think they're, they're super important. I don't know where I'd be without, uh, without these, without a mentor and a, and a coach. And then uh, your, your last one there. Um, so just, yeah, go ahead and run with these last two. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, these last pieces for me, um, mentors and coaches in, in my life have been absolutely crucial. Um, I, when I was early on in ministry, I was not, you know, I was going to ministry college and I was not, I didn't have a ministry pedigree. I didn't have parents in ministry and I'm around all these guys that, and, and girls that have like, parents that did this or there is kind of like the who's who of ministry world. And I felt like a nobody. I was a small town kid from a small church and I, I didn't believe in myself very much. And uh, my youth pastor went to prison. <laughs> and so I, yeah, I didn't have much to be proud of even on that end. I mean, I was, I was kind of embarrassed of that story. And I had a mentor um, that entered my life at the right time, exactly when I needed him. And it caused me from that point on to be a lifelong pursuer of mentors. I actually try and have three to four mentors in my life that I meet with on a regular basis. When I say regular, I mean, I try and meet with them at least once a month. Um, and, and most of them are face to face. A lot of them are, are long distance. Um, obviously, you know, Zoom has taken the forefront, but Zoom, FaceTime, whatever. But I'm meeting with them and I try and spread it out. So I'm meeting with and the reason by three to four, if I have four mentors in my life that I meet with once a month, that's a, a new mentor every week that I'm meeting with. And so I, I pick those based on areas that I want to grow. So I'm looking to 2021 at some areas that I want to grow in. Uh, one of those is I want to grow in my communication skills, specifically with our online content. I think that's a whole nother level to grow as an online communicator. And so I want, I'm, I'm, thinking ahead to some people that are killing it when it comes to that. And I'm reaching out to them um, to ask if they would mentor me in that area. And uh, so, um, so other areas, whether it be leadership or spiritual disciplines, or even some of these, these rhythms, you know, longevity, um, some of the mentors I have in my life, I've invited them to be in my life because I respect that they're people of longevity and I want to, I want to be a personal of longevity. So I'm looking at characteristics that I admire, uh, people that I, I really respect deeply. And a lot of times I, I, like anybody else, I'll talk myself out of even asking them. I'll say their no for them. And that one of my mentors said to me when it came to that, he said, don't 
say people's no for them. Just ask. So true story, I've asked Judah Smith four times to be my mentor. Um, he's never responded, um, but I know he's a busy dude and he probably has someone that's, you know, screening his emails. But the reality is, is at least I asked, you know? Yeah. And so um, if there's some people that you respect and admire greatly, uh, I would just say, don't, don't say they're no for them. Reach out and ask them. At the very least, maybe you get one session with them or two sessions. Um, not everyone's gonna, meant to be a lifelong mentor in your life. And I don't even ask people to be a lifelong mentor, but I just start with asking them if I could have a half an hour of their time. And so that's been a key, um, crucial piece um, in, in longevity for me. 20, uh, almost 20 years I've been pursuing mentors. I will be 70 years old and still pursuing mentors. By that time, I'll probably have to ask people younger than me. In fact, some of the mentors I have in my life are younger than me. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I love that. I can learn from anybody. There's somebody that's better at something in my, than I am. And so I can learn from absolutely everybody. But I want to be a lifelong pursuer of mentors and coaches. And, I, and I'm yeah. now at the point where I'm paying some people to coach. They are holding me accountable to some of my own goals. That's kind of the difference there is they're, they're helping pull out what my goals are, what areas I want to grow in. Um, and then they're helping coach me, hold me accountable. And so I'm even... I'm not opposed to paying people at some higher levels to coach me to go even the best, even the greatest of the great. You think Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, they have coaches, they pay people, they, 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 they would beat whoever that coach is in one-on-one, -on -one, but that coach can see things in their game that they can't see and they can help them refine those skills and, and get even better and hold them accountable. So I, I believe that's the same for us that we should have mentors and coaches in our life. So. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so important too. Um, you know, I, I don't know where I'd be without some of the mentors that I've had over the years in ministry, especially when I first started in this role back in, in February and then a month in COVID. Right? So yeah, yeah I, I don't know where I'd be. And then your last point, man, I, I think this might be my favorite um, just because of the name of it. Um, but, but the wolf pack to run with, go ahead and just share a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's obviously uh language that maybe you wouldn't typically hear about in this particular subject, but that's something that's near and dear to me. Um, I did a talk at our men's conference here at journey a couple of years ago about the myth of the lone wolf and a lot of people, a lot of men specifically, um, they, they, they want to be like that lone wolf, this mystical creature that rules, you know, rules the, the wilderness, you know. Um, but the truth is, is the lone wolf is not really the leader of the pack. It's actually the weakest of the wolves because uh, wolves that hunt alone um, are malnourished and they, they aren't able to stay as warm. They actually sur don't survive very long at all. Lone wolves don't. But the strength of the wolf is the pack. And so I did this talk and I talked about Samson is, is, you know, a classic example in the scripture of a, of, of a lone wolf. Right. And, and he ends up getting trapped by Delilah and he just needed one friend, one dude to say, bro, that girl's poison. He just needed one friend to call him out and say, you're, you're walking, you're, you're walking into stupid right now. Like walk away, you know, just, just walk away. This is not a good idea. And he didn't have that one friend, but the, the most famous wolf pack in the scripture is David and his mighty men. 
And uh, David had a wolf pack of 30 mighty men. And amongst those 30, uh, including himself, there was five giant slayers. That's the power and the synergy of together, right? That we are stronger together. And, and the, the lid was raised. When one was able to do that, it raised the faith in the room for the others to be able to do that, to see what was possible. And I think when we have a wolf pack like that to run with, uh, we take the lids off. I have lids in my life and my leadership, but when I have some guys and some ministry leaders to run with, and so a couple of years ago, I was actually, I've had a lot of great friends in my life, a lot of people that I've run with, but I, as I stepped into this executive uh, pastor role over next gen, it got lonelier because I didn't, I felt like my wolf pack changed and I was sharing with my wife yeah. uh, that pain of, of just feeling alone and who do I share some of the deep struggles, frustrations, just things I'm going with, some of the lids I'm feeling. And, and I just said, she goes, well, you need, you need a group of guys. Who's your group of guys? And I said, I don't know. And she's like, well, whose fault do you think that is that you don't have that? And I was like, well, I mean, that's a pretty leading question. I, I will uh, say probably mine. Right. And that conversation led to us praying together in the, in our vehicle on our way to, to my family in Minnesota, uh, in the vehicle, just together for a couple hours, asking God to speak some names. And I reached out to several guys that, that the Holy Spirit laid on my heart and they were feeling the same thing. And they were just Instagram acquaintances. we maybe one of them I grabbed coffee with once. Um, the others I had run into different ministry things, but they we're all in different positions, but that wolf pack is two years strong. And we, one of the guys recently, because of COVID, he had planted a church uh, within the last year, right before COVID hit. And he had hit a low and he was ready to quit and throw in the towel. And after talking with him and working through several of the ministry challenges that he was facing, we, we also said, bro, you need like a good two week vacation. You're burnt out. You are burning out. And he said, I, I can't afford it. I'm working another job and things are, are going down at the church. And so our wolf pack pooled our money and we paid for him and his wife to go on a two week vacation to the East coast. And, um, I don't say that to pat us on the back. I say that to say that's the power of a wolf pack for us to be able to see things that we can't see in our own or blind spots and to have people come around us. We, we, of course we prayed over him and laid hands on him and, and encouraged the, the, the snot out of him. We did all of those things, but more than just that dude needed a vacation, you know, just something practical. And so that is what a wolf pack to run, run with looks like to me is a, a group of guys that, that do that. And man, that was one of the coolest things to be part of that. Yeah, we all would love a vacation. I think probably all of us listening would say, hey, I don't I want to be a part of something like yeah, that. Absolutely. Give me a vacation. But I would say an even greater blessing was to give that um, as a friend to this dude. That was, that was one of the greatest joys, honestly. Probably one of the highlights in my 20 years of ministry almost is being able to do that. So That's um, awesome. a wolf pack raises the roof, raises the water level, raises the lids uh, off, of e off of each other. And we go further, faster when we do it mm. together. So, Yeah, it's, so it's so good. I, I wanted to take it just a step deeper. It won't go too long. But um, because you mentioned that it feels lonely in these positions and, and even even at a youth pastor position, right? So I'm, I'm young. I'm 29. I've, I've got three kids. My, you know, me and my wife, Mary, got young kids or, you know, toddlers and, and younger. Um, 
and what we notice is it's hard to make friends because we're the pastors. Yep. Um, and so like for me, um, something that I found, this is just me and, and you, you, you chime in here is, so I've got, I've got several buddies like Matt would definitely be one of them who can relate to me in the ministry world. Um, I've also got uh, a couple of buddies who do not work in the ministry world, um, but love Jesus and do not go to my church. So they see me as they, they don't see me as pastor Graham. They see me as just Graham. And so I would, I've told people, man, you got to have friends and people in your life that, uh, aren't in that part of that scope of your life that can tell you one, a different perspective, because a lot of the times I think yeah. we get, I, I personally get caught up in the churchy aspect of stuff and forget there's another perspective that I could yeah. take here. And so like, there's been times where I've called my buddies and gone, man, I'm struggling with this. And they're going, why? And you're yeah. going, because it's hard. And they're like, no, I wish that, that were my, those were my problems. Yeah. That's you so know, good. and it just gives you perspective. It doesn't mean the problem's not there. It just gave me a different perspective, but so good. Um, so when you're choosing like a wolf pack, right. Would you say that it's good to have people that are all in different kinds of life? And then, and, and what would you encourage? Uh, because I know that's got to be an issue for everybody. Is yeah. It's just hard to make friends with people that go to your church that you pastor at. Um, and that can, and that I talked to a guy I was interviewing people for a position we have here. And I talked to this guy and he said, it's just hard to make friends here. We haven't made any friends. We've been here a year and a half. I made friends. And I did the same thing. I was like, I was like, I was like, well, I said, whose fault is that? Yeah. And he was like, well, I mean, no, just nobody wants to be our friends because they're pastors. Like, I get that. I was like, but I'm not, you know, there's more people there than just the ones that go to your church. Yeah. Would you recommend having different walks of life or what's your thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah. So to clarify, we have some great friends on staff here. I mean, we have a great church, great staff. They're, they're awesome, but I'm not going to open up to people that I oversee the same way that I'm going to open up to people are outside of our circle. And I, there's things that I'm facing here that I'm not going to share with our team. They don't need to carry that burden. So yes, absolutely. We need to have friends outside of our, our current reality. If we're in a church, if we're serving in a church, I 100% agree with that. Um, I also have a small group. So we're, we're, that small group's awesome. I mean, they challenge me in great spiritual ways. My wife and I are part of that, and it's, it's great for us. But then, you know, I, what I was feeling was there's some, some things that God's stirring in me. There's some challenges that I'm facing in my own leadership and, and just with other leaders that I need to process in a healthy way outside of here. So I picked that Wolfpack specifically for what I was feeling, what my needs were. We all have different needs, right? And that's where we kind of wrote down some of the needs that we had. And then we prayed about the names and that's kind of how we filled in those slots as people that could be that. So uh, one of them was a teaching pastor at a church and, and also led worship. One of them uh, was uh, a lead pastor of a church in Milwaukee, another lead pastor in Racine, the city next to us, and then another church planner. So those four guys that I have had in that Wolfpack, oh, and, a, and another teaching pastor, um, that we were, none of them were next-gen ministry. I didn't need them to do the same position I did. I just needed to, to people that I could feel comfortable opening up to and I could be real with without the fear of, of, you know, that getting back or them, you know, being frustrated with one of the people on our staff. Like I need to have a place where I can be real and I can open up 
like this, open up my chest and just lay it out there. Yes. And I'm speaking and do exactly what you said, bro. You're being stupid. Come on, quit being a baby about this. Or right. you know what? That's that's some you you have some deeper fears there. Let's talk about that. Right. So um I, I think having deeply spiritual guys, you know, that can that can speak, you know, because they are spending time with the Lord. I think that that was huge for me. Um I didn't want I don't want to be the emperor with no clothes, right? I don't want just a bunch of people. A lot of times I think when we're leaders, we can have people that are yes men. And that, that's good. I don't want a culture of that here, but just the reality of me being their leader, they're maybe not willing to call me on my crap <laughs> as easily. And so that's why I wanted guys that are like bold leaders that can call me on that and, and push me to go further than I'm able to go on my own. So yeah, I agree hundred percent. That's good. And I'm big on that too. The community aspect is so key uh, for me here. And I'm just an extrovert. So like my wife can get away with it. She re-energizes with like that way, but I am, I'm that way. I have to have yeah. people, but I'm also that guy who, when you tell them that, Oh, that's stupid. You shouldn't do that. Uh, that gets my attention more than somebody validating me all the time. And saying, Oh yeah, I know that's hard. So let's end this way. And I know I'm walking around my house too. So if you're going to put this video up, Matt, I just want to let you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be real. It's going to be real. <laughs> okay. Um, cause I'm on my phone. Uh, but we, we always finish every episode with this question and we do it on purpose because the topic you might be sharing with us may not be the thing that maybe the Lord's working on you or in you or through you in your heart at the moment, or maybe you just have something that you feel like needs to be shared. But if you could share anything, take two to three minutes and you could tell young leaders, young youth pastors, uh, one thing to take away, regardless of topic, it doesn't have to match this one. What would you tell them? Yeah, man. <laughs> I feel like I hit the uh, most of those in this, but I'll, I'll take it back to one of them. <clears throat> if if you're a young leader listening to this and you're wondering what your next step is, I mean, we just blasted you with a fire hose, right? That was that was a lot of different things, a lot of different practices. Just a starting point, just taking a baby step. I would say pray about a mentor or two that you can reach out to. The game changer for me early on in ministry was having people in my corner. And in some ways that, that's knocking out more than just one of these, right? It's having, it's, ha it's part of your wolf pack. So I would just say really pursue mentorship, people that will help you to go next level. When I did that, that year was exponential growth in my life. When I began that practice, I grew further faster that year than I had grown in all the other 20 years of my life. And so I just believe for young leaders, so many young leaders, uh, maybe you're waiting for your pastor to be that or your direct oversight, your direct report to be that mentor. Don't wait. Pursue mentors outside of. I actually encourage our team to go outside of here. I think we become inbred when all of our mentorship was within our organization. So I really am big on pursuing mentors outside of your circle, even maybe outside of your denomination, people that you respect and admire and yes, even busy people. So I would, I would really just challenge you to make this next year, the year 2021, a year where you have multiple mentors in your life that you meet with, not just once, not just twice. You can't meet with someone two times in 2021 and consider them a mentor. You know, that's just having a great meeting where you're growing as a leader, but I'm talking mentorship, them doing life with you. 
And uh, I believe that that will change your leadership. That will get you outside of yourself. That will break off lids that you didn't even know were there. And it will help you to be energized for ministry again. It will help you not um, to deal with maybe the stress and anxiety of ministry in different ways when you have just somebody in your corner cheering you on and believing in you. So that would be probably my number one piece of advice for young leaders. Man, that's good. I like that. I feel that in my spirit. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. 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 That's so good. Um, John, we've been, we've been sitting on a nickname for you. Um, are you, are you ready for this? <laughs> I'm ready. Bring it. He's ready. He's ready. Graham, would you like to share with what, what, what this nickname is? Yes, I will. I will share. Um, so you know that song by James Brown where he's like, I got so, and I'm super bad. You know that one? <laughs> yes, you know, so I know it. Because you're talking about this. To it now that you brought it up, I'm playing it. Well, there's a couple things happening. Number one is the, y'all's last name is the same. Your initials are the same. Uh, you talked about soul care a lot more than probably any pastor other than Judah Smith I've ever heard in my life, and it's so important. <laughs> so your nickname is John Superbad Brown. Come on. I like it. I'll take it. <laughs> Dude, there's a lot of nicknames you can come up with for me i will take that one i love it. absolutely that's great <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome oh, john i've i've totally enjoyed this this episode i i, I think i think all of our listeners are going to be so encouraged by this yes, um but I to, agree. To be, before before we officially end this uh where can people shameless plug where can people find you on socials all of that good stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I appreciate that at, at P John P J O N, um, is where I'm at on Instagram and Twitter, John Brown on Facebook, although probably like most of you, I'm not on there much. Um, and, uh, I am on TikTok, so you can just look up John on Brown now. on TikTok. I think he's it's the John. real TikTok king. Yeah. You're John the real TikTok king. Brown. I, I, I did dabble over, uh, the early parts of quarantine and had a lot of fun and uh, actually got a few more views than I expected. I thought I was going to not, you know, it was be like my daughters and that would be it, but it's been fun. So <laughs> I have not been on it as of late, so I cannot claim TikTok King like Matt, but uh, you know, at one point I did enjoy I it as either. a hobby. <laughs> he can't claim it either. He's got like the most <laughs> views on one video is probably like 27. Okay. So it's more than that, bro. It's like hey, 1700. You took a step, man, you took a step. So <laughs> that's right. I love he, it. He, so, yeah, those he are tried. The places. And then, and then our church. If you want, if you ever want um, to look up our church, it's uh, journeychurch.com. So awesome. It's J R N Y Church.com. I apologize. So sweet. Thank you. Uh, John, thank you so much again for joining us. I know everyone's going to be encouraged by this conversation. Uh, YM United Nation, until next time, have a great life.